good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. And today I am talking to you from Honolulu, Hawaii, and so it's a six-hour time difference. Uh, talking to Seth and Stephen, how are you guys doing today? Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm doing okay. I cannot complain. Aloha. <laughs> this is this is the one environment where I can say that unselfconsciously. I would not. I can't bring myself to say it out in out in public. So <laughs> cool. Um, so today uh, we uh, Seth. Uh, I'm sorry, Stephen actually has suggested the topic of talking about um, the kind of where the Me Too movement is now in light of the Kavanaugh hearings and Dr. Ford's possible testimony. We'll see. I just saw an update on that right before we got started, and we can probably talk about that. And then he did he uh, you know uh, sort of weaving them together with other topics. You know, brought up the Sunni Previn. Um, article um, um, on you know the, the allegations against Woody Allen, uh, obviously much older than the Me Too movement, but certainly uh, Dylan Farrow's letter kind of got scooped up into the Me Too movement, and Ronan Farrow was a big um, instigator, or I mean, really broke the story on uh, on Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Uh, Stephen, you you laid out I think a pretty good little rubric outline of the of the discussion. So do you want to just kind of lead us into it, and and we'll have a talk conversation about it? Absolutely. So the reason why, oh, good afternoon or good morning or good evening, and um, so I've been following the story of the of Brett Kavanaugh hearings, and I thought it'd be an interesting topic, and so I sent it out to both Seth and Travis, thinking in the hearing that um, the hearings would today, but apparently not because uh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford has made accusations that uh, Brett Kavanaugh attacked her while she was in high school, when they were both in mm-hmm. high school. And so in this, in the news, but timeless category, I wanted us to, um, to talk about sexual harassment or abuse and what our responsibilities are. What is the public's responsibility? What is the U.S. government's responsibility? And so in addition to that, as um. Travis mentioned, I've read the Soon Yi Previn article in the New York Magazine, which is our first time speaking publicly about right. any of this. And it's a really right. interesting article. I think you guys should read it. Um, it's free online. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the reason why this pro- this project bothered me is because I've known a lot of women. I mean, I know a lot of women who are either sexually mm-hmm. abused or or harassed or even raped. And I've been knowing this like all my life, my 52 years, starting mm-hmm. when I was a teen. And so... I thought it was important for us to sort of talk about as as men as um, as men who are different. You know, we're we're either um, different in terms of our race, in terms of our um, sexual identity, and mm-hmm. I think it's important to kind of think about how we contribute to us to a culture of abuse or don't contribute to it. You know, and mm-hmm. so my I wanted to ask you guys both to kind of consider what are your thoughts about the Kavanaugh hearings mm-hmm. and Ford's allegations. And so let's solve this in 30 minutes or less. <laughs> go. <laughs> so um, what are your thoughts? You want to go first, Trev? I, I can no, go. No. Yeah, okay. yeah, please. I, okay. I got to start it. So. I have several ideas rolling around my head. I think one of the sort of more bird's eye view notions are that this is an ongoing problem for humanity, or rather, what's happening with the Me Too movement is representative of some 
deep failure of our general politics. Mm -hmm. I don't want to let people like Brett Kavanaugh or the Republican Party that is hell-bent on getting him onto the Supreme Court. I don't want to let them them off the hook. Mm -hmm. But, But I think it's important to have a slightly more comprehensive vision of the political landscape and and recognize that this particular instance is really representative of a large-scale failure of human beings being reticent to treat other human beings, to treat them as if they're fully human. That's that's ultimately the failure for me. And there's a way in which I was brought up, and I've said this to Travis before privately, and I probably said it to you as well, Stephen. Mm-hmm. And I do feel this, that there's a way in which I was brought up um, in a very middle-class, aspirational, Jamaican, uh, Christian, uh, uh, what's the word? Christian in like an overdetermined way, right? Like church, school, summer camp. Um I was brought up in such an environment where I don't think I ever really learned to see women as full human beings. Not certainly not as human beings like other men, or, or uh, yeah, t- the way I the way I view other men. Mm-hmm. So there's this sort of systemic failure, and the Me Too movement is something that is finally is a political social political movement that's finally starting to come to grips with this persistent endemic failure. Mm-hmm. So I'm encouraged by the fact that people are actually motivated to develop, to spend a lot of time and energy outing people. Um, I do think it's important to punish people who have degraded and essentially limited the life chances of women because they would, wouldn't sleep with them or wouldn't give them some sort of sexual satisfaction. I think it's important to, that those people be punished. I think it's important for people to be made accountable. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, relatively con- I'm relatively sure that Brett Kavanaugh won't be. Because as someone on Twitter, I follow on t- Twitter, Ethan Gray said, uh, part of the reason that he, they're not pulling his nomination is that they are signaling to their, that is the GOP and the White House, are signaling to their constituents that being a white man who can take advantage of other women and not be held accountable for that mm-hmm. is a feature of their power, not a flaw. It is a feature of being in occupying that socioeconomic strata. So they want to make sure that people realize that that kind of that that if you occupy that strata, you won't be held accountable for your actions at whatever age you take them. So I, I really I feel I feel like the the argument about him doing this when he was seventeen is sort of ridiculous um, because we send people away for the rest of their lives when they when they uh, contravene the law at seventeen. So, but we can get into that. Um, and then, and then I want to say one more thing, and I know I've been talking for a while, but before the podcast is over, I want to be able to actually confess to doing, to treating women in my life not in the way that I think that they should have been treated, because I think I'm, and I, and I'm not going to blame anybody else for this, but I'm certainly guilty of being, of not treating them as fully human. 
So I'll play Seth's role today and, and be a little bit more concrete than abstract. So normally that's, I'll, I'll flip it around. Uh, <laughs> I uh, straight up uh, believe the accusation against Brett Kavanaugh. I, I look at him and I see his comportment and I've looked at some of his other speeches about talking about drinking culture at Yale, etc. I absolutely believe that um, certainly in the 80s and 90s in this country, maybe it's slightly less acceptable today, but maybe only slightly. I believe that that type of conduct and understanding of women and their bodies and entitlement and sexuality and repression, uh, his behavior makes perfect 100% sense to me. Yeah. It's the entire the entire episode, I believe, uh, yeah. completely. Um, yeah. So I think that should disqualify him to the court. Um, I think he has lied under oath multiple times. I think that that's been shown by um, his uh, the, the emails that have been released around him. For me, this isn't an ideological thing. I think uh, I, I'm open to slightly more conservative Supreme Court justices, if only because I don't think that the Supreme Court is the final arbiter of social change. And and so it, if someone is a qualified, um, apparently objective jurist um, and has worked their ass off and conducted themselves with integrity, if they're appointed by a Republican, to me, that doesn't disqualify them. I think what disqualifies him is that he's a liar. Um, ah, and so okay. uh, I don't, you know, find someone else is how I feel about it. I am, and I'm also not, fully convinced um, that his nomination won't be de derailed. I think if I had to bet, I think the odds are that his uh, his confirmation will go forward. I, I do think that that's probably the most likely outcome. I think there's a chance that it doesn't, though. I think if Dr. Ford comes forward and actually testifies and comports herself in a way that I hope she is able to, uh, that that could shift the, the votes of someone like Mikowski or Collins, um, maybe Flake even. Um, so I, I, and I, I mean, I understand that you're both probably more skeptical, skeptical about that. And like I said, I, I would not bet on it. Um, but I don't think it's a foregone, uh, for me, it's a foregone conclusion. And then the other thing I'd like to, to toss into the mix to sort of, you know, kind of to open up the conversation is I think our calibration is way off currently, um, when, uh, as far as evaluating what is appropriate and inappropriate conduct and what is criminal conduct for men mm. uh, in relation to women. Mm. So, you know, what Brett Kavanaugh did or is accused of doing, allegedly did, is assault. Right. That is different than uh, pestering someone for a blowjob, for example, which right. is what got uh, Aziz Ansari pilloried. Uh, right. For a hot second. What was that, Steve? For a hot moment. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's I mean, it was brief, um, but it's I I don't think those are the same thing. I don't think. Um, and just today, uh, the the editor of the New York Review of Books uh, was forced yeah. to resign. Baruma. Uh, Ian Baruma. But because he published that one that essay by that Canadian um, uh, 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 journalist, I guess you would call him. Um, and, 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 you know, the essay itself was, you know, it, it, it rang as, um, not particularly self-aware of the severity of the things that he did. And quite self-serving. 
Yeah, but should this guy have lost his job because he tried to open up the conversation about it because he didn't genuflect enough around the topic? Come on. Well, okay. Well, I, here I I, I, mean, I I beg to differ with you because I think it wasn't so much that he didn't genuflect in the upper direction, but more that the way that he answered the reporter's questions after he was questioned about why he went, he allowed yeah. this interview to go forward. Yeah, I saw, I, I read the interview. Right. And he came off as smug, indifferent, and essentially more concerned with. According to that reporter. And no, 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 no. How okay. that interview was read. I'm okay. saying, okay. Like, but, but okay. we, none of us were in the, I'm saying, here's the thing. As okay. a caveat, who knows what the internal politics are? At the New York? Maybe this guy sucked at his job and this was just a convenient way to let him go. Okay. I'm not suggesting, I, I don't know. Okay. But the optics aren't great because I, he, this was clearly, to me, was, he was not advocating. Uh, he was, the question was this. We have people who have not been convicted by our legal system of, mm -hmm. of sexual assault, but have been pilloried in social circles. Right. What space do these people occupy within, occupy within our culture? That's a valid question. That's an important question. I agree, but the question was not addressed by the interview that took place within the New York Review. That's the problem. You see, the... the, the you're absolutely right. That question of what do we do with people like Aziz Ansari, who have not, from what we can tell, contravened the law. They haven't assaulted anyone, but they've behaved in such a way as to make people profoundly uncomfortable with essentially what is essentially the politics of sex, right? True. Um, the politics of bodies touching other bodies with desire. You're right. You're absolutely right. But he didn't do it with that piece. And what the, and the problem with that is that you can't in this in this climate. And you're right, Travis. There's a way in which, in certain political climates, certain kinds of behavior are not sanctioned, or rather, are punished, which which wouldn't be in other contexts. So, perfect in perfect agreement with you there. Fine. Okay. Um, there's. I I I I keep coming back to this. This conversation I had with Sarah Ferron, who uh, is a is a supervisor—I forget what it, precisely her title is—but she's uh, uh, someone in a supervisory, uh, acting in a supervisory capacity within the uh, uh, the nonprofit um, International Sites of Conscience. I think is what the agency is called. And we had, and she she made a presentation at the AAM conference a couple of years ago, and she said about the political swing of the pendulum, that there are times when the, the, the pendulum will swing quite a bit ways to the left. And then there are times when it will swing back to the right. But we keep expecting when that swing happens for it to somehow more uh, end up somewhere more centrist rather than um, be sort of, uh, 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 as is typical, I'm, I'm actually really butchering this analogy. I'm sorry. But essentially <laughs> what she's saying is that we have unrealistic expectations about the sort of swing of our, of our politics. We expect okay. somehow for us to end up in the centrist place after we've been through, I, I don't know, Jim Crow, 
You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, this, it's, it, it seems an unrealistic expectation for me. But I also... I think, let's let Stephen go, because yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. so patient so for a while. So I was thinking about, thank you very much for both Wayne and I. So I was thinking about how we moved from the confirmation hearings and Dr. Ford's allegations to what happens to men who are accused of this. And I was wondering if this is part of the problem when discussing issues that affect women directly in terms of their mm-hmm. believability and their inability or fear of coming forward to talk about their um, experiences because we have no process in place to evaluate this. And I think from Anita Hill in 1991 to right now, this what is it, two or three of the same people were on the confirmation hearings that interviewed her. These are yeah. all white males. There's no women. They're all from the mm-hmm. GOP. I find it, I mean, Dr. Ford, well, um, through her lawyer, doesn't want to do that until the um, FBI investigate. And I think right. right now they're playing chicken with her, trying to see how serious she is about her allegations because she's in this politically really uncomfortable positions. They're sort of re-abusing her, and I'll yeah. say it, by saying that there's no time to do this. And right. so I just want to get back to kind of that around yeah, so, censoring so her. I, yeah, so I mean, I to, to address that, I think two things. One, I think, well, probably more than two, but the, one, I think she just has, I mean, and and I realize that there could be very vigorous foot pushback to this. I just think she has to be brave. Like I think here's the thing. I think that um, I think that there is a double standard. I think that women get the shit end of the stick the vast majority of the time in in basically in civilization. You know, you can go back five thousand years and women have gotten the shit end of the stick like always, right? And and there's some and there's some. Um, academic arguments around kind of that civilization is based around this occupation of the female body and oh, yeah. probably some interesting conversations to have about that but so i i i believe that right i absolutely believe that i don't i i don't uh i don't want to short sell the difficulty of being a woman uh and having to deal with uh, basically moving through a world in which people are more physically powerful than you, right? right. I mean, this is, and and that power is flaunted and enjoyed by oh, yeah. these men. And, and flaunted, you know, like yes. calling and things like that. Absolutely. So I, I don't want to, I want to be sensitive to that. I understand that. I don't know what that's like. At the same time, the only way that these things can be confronted and overcome is through bravery. And, and, and some kind of fortitude that that allows people to stand up and say, "Fuck no, I, I'm going to come forward, and I'm actually going to show you, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm going and I'm going to say to you what you don't want to be said to you." Um, I don't think that's easy, but I don't think I, I think if she doesn't do this, then that's it, and there's no someone else needs to then do that in the future and do it again and again and again until there's some kind of movement. And so my questions to both of you is, what are your predictions that she will testify, that she will contact the committee tomorrow at 10 a.m., <laughs> which is so on the East the Coast? The last update was that she said she will, she's still open to testifying, but she doesn't want it to be Monday. That was like five or 10 minutes before we before we. Oh, wow. So she's, she's still pushing. Okay. She's still pushing back. What about you, Seth? Do you think that she will? Well, I want to I wanna add something to what Travis has suggested, which is that ultimately 
it's on her, it's on Dr. Ford to be heroic in this instance. And I think that's a proper word. Uh, or the fight won't, the fight around Kavanaugh's nomination won't, won't be decided in the favor of, of truth and, and, and justice. I do agree with that. And here's the historical um, analogy. The civil rights movement. I, I constantly go back to the civil rights movement, but it sort of mm-hmm. makes sense. I mean, it is it is it is mm-hmm. the movement in the U.S. where you have people put literally putting their bodies at risk, mm-hmm. literally, yeah, cons- con- consistently, and being hurt, mm-hmm. maimed, and killed in the process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it is only because they did that, arguably. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I even need the arguably. It is only because they no, did that. It's only because they did. We still would have it, everything would be the same if it exact, wasn't for that. This is my point. Everything would be the same. This mm-hmm. is my point. It is only because they did that and they made that those sacrifices visible that anything changed. So as much Absolutely. as I actually I deeply resent the fact that she has to do that, that she has to be heroic when these fucking men all day long can talk shit. Yeah. About someone yeah. whose shoes they've never worn. Mm-hmm. I, Absolutely. I, I deeply resent that. I deeply resent Chuck Grassley having the the cojones to say, Oh, I believe Kavanaugh, like oh it sounds like she was mixed up. I, oh no. I, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, like like what what like what kind of cartoon fucking villain are you? You are ridiculous. And and that you get to have this position of power, yeah, and and spray your abs- your absurdity all over us, I find reprehensible, as you should. But 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 I think ultimately she does have to testify. And I, my prediction is that she will. I think so too. Because that, I do that think be, that I, the notion of bravery is there. Yeah, I mm. think that she will. I think that she see probably will be. She will see what the um, what the stakes are. And I'm sure she knows already. She's a pretty smart person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that those 900 women who signed that letter at her college, those women who went to school with her and those women who are going to school now, mm-hmm. along with this um, watershed of um, support that she's been, that she, that she's getting, I think mm-hmm. that she will, um, she will, mu- I'm trying to think of a word that's not um, sexist or has, you know, she will man up. Yeah. 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 Right, she right. will yeah. woman up. <laughs> like, you don't want to say that she's going to man up. It's, it's you don't want to say right? man up. You don't want to say balls. You don't want to say, like, no, 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 all no. These no. I've been thinking that, about right, saying right, ovaries right. for, like, the longest. I tried that for a little while with other people, and it was funny because it was just, like, a big question mark in front of their faces because I was using something that I thought that they would catch on to. But um, at any rate. What, what, what was the phrase that you used, Stephen? I missed it. Ovaries. Yeah, that's what I ovaries. do too. I said, like, yeah, well, let's find our collective ovaries and get it done. Language is uh, hard to change, and if you're born into yeah. it and you simply accept and never examine it, um, mm-hmm. you just, you know, you just are subject to it. You know, yeah. For but me, c- it's something around childbirth. Like, I feel like that, like, mm. definitely, like, I mean, I was in the room when you know my son was born, and mm. like. Shit, I would not want that done to my body. Mm, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, can I, can I can I can I get meta for a second here? Because Stephen had a really great point. Um, that was a sort of rhetorical cul-de-sac we entered because, well, for maybe for a variety of reasons, but we ended up talking about men who were in some ways victimized by the Me Too movement, right? Mm-hmm. There's this other thing that's happening in conversations around 
essentially women's victimization that I also really don't like, which is something we just did, which is we got into the nitty gritty of the plot. We're like, oh my God, will she testify? What do you think? This is going to happen. La, la, la. Forces are arrayed. Heroic, the hero has to come save the day. And mind you, we, I understand why we need to do that. And we do. I recognize that. But what I don't like is precisely, is precisely this move that the, our, our mainstream media typically takes, which is that is they'll treat it like a sporting event. They're like, will she, won't she? What forces or what are, what's on the Republican side? What's on the Democrat side? Who's the secret uh, weapon? What and, I, and, and I feel like we do that kind of almost procedural analysis mm-hmm. in order to avoid the sort of deeper moral, ethical, and political analysis, which is what we should be doing. It takes a moment to, um, to crawl out of that hole, though. Because that's kind of how we're trained, you know, to look at things like this. And also for things that we feel, I'm speaking about the royal U.S., that we feel we don't have a stake in, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. when you go wide, you see the larger picture. They want to get him on immediately. They want him before the midterms, all of that. You know, you can see the larger picture. And you can also, for those of you who have memory past 20 years, what it's been looking Mm -hmm. like for other women, not just in this arena, but also the Me Too movement and also before the Me Too movement where you had these moments of, oh my God, something's breaking. The ground is sort of breaking up around these ideas, but then ideas. we rush back in to to, mm-hmm. to fill that hole or fill that crack, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. what's uncomfortable, what we feel is messy, mm-hmm. and also what what causes us to a um cause us to responsibility regardless of who you are. Do you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, uh, t- talking about sort of the nitty-gritty details of the story, uh, just it, something that occurred to me, you know, Judge, the other guy that was supposedly in the Oh, movie, yeah. I, I, yeah. So, yeah. It, when, I, when I heard that story, um, to me, you know what that sounded like? Right. Like this whole, like, him jumping on, on them and, like, they fell to the floor and broke. To me, that sounded like someone that was trying to stop something but didn't have the fortitude to actually stop Oh, wow. It. And, and, in this, and this is a lot of times right. how, how conscience works when you don't feel like you quite have the character or the power to stand up, like you try and like sort of subtly derail things mm-hmm. or steer it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that guy knows. I think, mm-hmm. I think he remembers it. I think mm-hmm. he knows. Mm-hmm. I think it wouldn't surprise me at all if that sort of monkeying around and jumping on them was a way to, to break that situation up. Mm-hmm. Um, because his, you know, obviously I'm not in that room. It was, you know, 40 years ago, however many years ago it was, but uh, not quite 40, but um, yeah, I just, yeah, I just, um, I, I, I am, I think probably a bit more optimistic than the two of you around Maybe not than you, Stephen. Maybe a little bit more than Seth. I'm usually um, optimistic. Way, I, yep. I I think uh, I think that it is very possible to train men to and women to own their power and their responsibility to one another to not conduct themselves in this way. Like I don't I don't think we're that far. Like I've you know I've you've Stephen, your son is is a man now. My oldest son is a man. My youngest is you know five. Uh, I can say unequivocally that there's that there's no way that my my oldest son would ever be in a situation like that and would do something like that. Not because he hasn't had acquisitiveness towards women or because his body is not filled with desire, but because he understands that that's another human being 
That's mm. not just another. There's not just another woman. That's another person. Another person that's born and is going to live and suffer and and thrive and die. And and that the gender, whatever's going on between your legs, it has nothing to do with that. It's 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 an accessory to an existential fact. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something that we can teach people. I'm putting my eggs in that basket. I'm definitely, I'm interested. I have nothing yeah. to lose. <laughs> I do. So, so I wanted to say one of the things, one of the things that occurred to me when we were thinking about this and exchanging emails, talking about this via email, was I remember a situation I had in, when I was in grad school um, back at UC Irvine, and I was dating, was sort of, uh, dating is, yeah, yeah, I was dating a woman who was also, I think she, yeah, she was also a student. And we were playing around, horsing around one time, and this was after we had, we, I don't think we had had sex, but we had kissed, touched, that sort of thing. And we were playfully bantering, and I playfully slapped her face, not hard, but just sort of um as if as if as if as if in punishment for something she said, right mm-hmm. and she looked at me and she said, "Don't do that." And I remember in that moment feeling really embarrassed and feeling like, "Why is it that I thought that would be okay?" And as I'm saying it now, I think part of the reason I thought it was okay was that this is a game that men and women, and this is, I think, where it gets, uh, to, to borrow a word from Stephen, and this is, I think this is where it gets really messy. Men and women play around with power, with overpowering each other, with, key, with, with, with expressing power over the other person in the sort of continuum of sexual play, right? Absolutely. And I, and I think that for me, it was, I didn't have the tools. And we had talked in, during the father episode a lot about how do we get the tools. I didn't grow up with the tools by which to, one, understand that I was dealing with a full human being, and two, to understand sort of how to negotiate the ins and outs of power in such uh, in a in a sexual play sort of context, um, and so I have to say there have been times when I've just I've just gotten it wrong, and what uh, what really impresses what really has impressed itself upon me in the Me Too movement is how when men not only just get it wrong, but are apprised of the fact that they are using their power in a way that negates somebody else's power, that they don't have that moment of introspection where they go, oh, yeah, that was wrong. Like, I, I hurt someone. That I, I limited somebody's life chances. There's been this whole apparatus around men privileging that use of power. And what Me Too has done, if, if nothing else, is that it said it's begun to make that apparatus evaporate. It's begun to say, well... Well, no, no, just support, not, not, not just support, rhetorical support for that, right. I think, is going right. away. But I would say surface right. it and make it visible, mm-hmm. because first you need to make it visible for people to actually see the apparatus. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I think right. conversation yeah. like this and movies and other kinds of cultural things really kind of surface what this apparatus looks like. Um, 
And so I want to like turn just a bit to Soon Yi Previn's um, article. Yeah. So, yes. so let's, why don't we make this a segue and do a part two on this? Because I think, because uh, I actually think there's some good stuff here. And Seth had actually opened up by saying that he wanted to talk about, uh, I don't think you've done that yet, right? Have you? you well, you I just kind of did that with that. That anecdote. was that. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, the woman you abused when you were playing around. No, but you notice I was willing to accept it. I was like, yeah, I kind of did abuse her. Like, yeah, well, but, I mean, but, I, she, so, but she stopped would, me. Well, so, but you were in, you were in a dynamic sexual play. Right. And I think there are, there are people that like stuff like that. There are men right. and women that go on both sides of that power dynamic right. that play with their physicality. The whole thing is like, it just has to be a willing participant, you know, mm. like being like body tackled into a room blaring rock and roll music mm. and having your mouth covered while mm. men are fondling with your bathing suit. Clearly, you mm. are not a willing participant in that situation. Clearly. Um, so, but, but as, as Stephen, I want to let you close out and maybe segue us and then maybe next week we can talk about, because I think there's some other, I think there's a, a meaty discussion in there as well. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, so I just want to say thank you very much. Um, I have a lot more to say about these kinds of things because I think that it, in a short time like this, we've been able to kind of like bring some things up and, and make some great examples. But I, I'm, I'm excited and also um, encouraged about what you said, Travis, about this next generation. It makes me think of something of Cynthia Heimel, who recently departed. She was a columnist for The Village Voice. The Heimel Maneuver, um, Tongue and Cheek were two of her columns, and she recently passed. And she um, said that with people who would talk, tell her, ha-ha, where does feminism get you guys now? And she goes, okay, well, you know, fuck you. And she goes, my son <laughs> and his friends grew up with these single mothers trying to do this kind of work. And so they saw us doing this work and hopefully they absorbed it. And it made me think, mm -hmm. you know, I'm much more optimistic about the world changing than it is not, even though, you know, the press seems to always want to jam it down our throats that it's impossible through the kinds mm -hmm. of reporting that they do and the kind of perspectives they take. So mm -hmm. um, just thank you both for commenting and just thank you. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. thanks for the conversation. Indeed. Seth, did you want to finish with anything? No, no, no. I think that that's, okay. we can uh, end there. Uh, okay, so next week uh, we will pick up our discussion uh, with the Me Too movement, men in the Me Too movement, and Sunni Previn and uh, Woody Allen. And I think I know there's going to be some good stuff there as well. So. Indeed. Uh, thanks very much for the call, guys. Okay, Great. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Take care.